Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 123. I'm your host, Eric Moore. And this week, we have a, a very special guest uh, who's going to tell us a lot about the senior loan market, comparing senior loans to, to bonds and the high yield space, and just really a, a lot of really good information. So uh, our guest this week is Dan McMullen. I'll tell you a little bit about Dan, and then we'll, we'll get into it. He's the Senior Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager in Blackstone's Blackstone Credit's Liquid Credit Strategies Unit, also the Portfolio Manager of the Spider SPDR Blackstone Senior Loan ETF, symbol SRLN. Also, Dan is a member of Blackstone Credit's LCS Management Committee, LCS U.S. Syndicated Credit Investments Committee, Global Structured Investment Committee, and Asset Allocation Committee. Dan, that's a lot of committees. Dan, how are you today? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Thanks, Derek. Dan, thanks so much for uh, for coming on. Uh, I was really excited to have you on because you know you've got such good experience in this space, and we've we've heard in the news. You know, if you read the Wall Street Journal, you look at the news, and you know everyone's kind of heard of of uh, high yield bonds or or investment grade bonds. But there's senior loans are a part of the market. I think it's it's been growing, and we've also heard you know hey, what's collateralized loans? So. Dan, thanks so much for for coming on today, and and I think you're going to add a lot of value. Happy to be here. All right. So first off, Dan, tell me what are senior loans? I mean, we, we think about the capital structure, and this is, you go back to kind of Finance 101, and everybody knows, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but it's like, okay, bondholders, then you got preferred stockholders, then you got equity holders. But what are senior loans? Where, where do they sit in that structure? So senior secured loans uh, are issued to typically to non-investment grade companies. Um, and as the name implies, they are senior to all other debt and equity in a company's capital structure. Um, they're secured. So they're similar to the mortgage uh, on your house. So they're secured by the company's property, plant, equipment, um, trademarks, um, brand names, um, that's all collateral. And, and that security is valuable because should the company default, the lenders receive that security. They're now owners of all of the collateral. And that means that in a default, where is if an equity owner might receive nothing in the event of a default, well, the loan is collateralized by all of the assets. So there's usually a higher recovery. And historically, the recovery rate for loans has been uh, 60 to 70 cents on the dollar. Uh, High yield bonds, for example, uh, has been 30 to 40 cents on the dollar. And and, and equity is much lower than that. Um, Another aspect of loans and why they're interesting tonight, uh, you're hearing a lot about them in the news, is that they're floating. So the base rate for senior secured loans is LIBOR today. Um, and, and that is, um, it's, it's a short term base rate. It, uh, increases when, um, when rates increase. So it can act as a hedge against inflation. Uh, and so when rates rise, well, your income rises if you're an investor in these loans. So as rates rise, um, your, your income that you receive from owning the loan rises, um, there is a, a, a credit component to that or a credit spread that remains the same. Um, and, and so m- many investors are focused on um, 
senior secured loans in, in periods of rising rates uh, or expectations of rising rates, uh, which you see right now. Um, so, so those are the main differences. High yield bonds, for example, those are junior to senior secured loans. Um, they are unsecured. Um, high yield bonds have call protection. Uh, loans do not have call protection, so they're callable at any time. And that's, a, that's another uh, main difference. Um, and, then, and then finally, with respect to loans, they are, they are uh, the loan market overall. I would say it's about, in the U.S., it's about $1.3 trillion. It's about the same size as the high yield market, also $1.3 trillion. Um, and, and taken together, that, that, that those two categories or the non-investment grade categories are about 6% of the $46 trillion U.S. fixed income market. Uh, and that includes treasuries, mortgages, and corporates. Um, so, so senior secured loans are a niche within uh, the entire fixed income category. With with those loans, when we think about bonds, and you know, bonds have a price. Bonds trade either above par at a premium, below par at a at a discount. Interest rate changes, and we'll kind of get into that later. But do are are loans on the secondary market? Are they priced similar? To bonds in that way, Dan. Yes, loans loans uh, are you know very very similar to high yield bonds. So when a loan is first issued, it's issued by a bank, um, one of the bigger banks like J.P. Morgan or B of A or Goldman or Morgan Stanley, and and the, the company that's issuing the bonds will do a roadshow. It's, it'll meet its investors, um, and, and then you'll have a a, a week um, to to consider the the opportunity. Um, and then investors and there, there might be, you know, of the investors in the market, there might be 250 different types of investors or groups, um, that invests in loans and bonds responsible for, for numerous, uh, and market investors, but, um, commitments are made for each loan. You'll receive an allocation, uh, shortly thereafter, and then the assets are traded in the secondary market. And so if there's 25 dealers out there. Um, making markets, typically the loan is allocated at a small discount. Today, it's like 99 and a half or 99 cents on the dollar. Um, it frequently trades up to par, um, and, and then it'll trade around par generally in the secondary market. Um, and, and it'll trade in blocks of um, two by two on a bid-ask spread, or it can be up to, for a bigger loan, up to, to $50 million on a, uh, a side on the screen. And it, it could be bigger than that as well. Um, and, and high yield bonds are, are traded much the same way. And so with, with bonds, there's either a call date or call provision, right? Where it gets called away or, or maturity with senior loans. Uh, they, as you said, there's no necessarily call provision because they can get called in at any time that the company can choose to, to retire the debt, but there is no maturity certainty, right? So it's, uh, some, an investor owning one of these senior bonds, senior loans, uh, they would either have to sell it in the secondary market or they can just perpetually keep it so long as the company doesn't call it back, right? Well, that's not exactly true. The, the, the loans are, you know, there is a maturity for loans and, and the loan maturity is, is usually six or seven years or, or a year shorter or inside of the high yield bond. And, and another clarification to make is that many of the same companies that issue high yield bonds also issue loans. So it's very common to see that the loan and bond, um, um, from, from the same company, um, loans are callable generally, 
Um, and, and, and so what that means is that if a company is generating a lot of free cash flow, which they usually do in our market, um, companies can use that cash flow to, to retire their debt or to repay the debt without a call penalty. Um, when a loan is first issued in, in the current market, there's something called call protection or soft call protection, which is just means that the company can't reprice you if its loan um, trades up significantly if there's more demand for the loan. Some call, uh, some loans have some call protection, but it's it's unusual. Uh, nearly every high yield bond that comes to market does have call protection, and so and so what that means is that if a loan is trading at a discount, um, or 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 premium, but 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 generally, investors uh, use a rule of thumb of three years. Historically, a loan is outstanding no more than three years before it's either repriced or refinanced or called. Uh, or the company is acquired by somebody else, or they do an IPO, or, or, or whatever happens. But the general life of a of a loan is, on average, uh, about three years. Got it. No, that's perfect. Thanks for for clarifying that. I get. I should have phrased it better. I should have phrased with a little like inflection of my voice at the end, like with a question mark, right? Because I think that's it's one of the things, right? Senior loans, and and I'll probably transition to you know the difference between a, a senior loan and a collateralized loan. Uh, but, but they're, they're really close cousins to, uh, uh, especially high yield bonds. Uh, but, but I, let me just ask you now, I mean, uh, I think a couple of years ago, uh, there was a lot of articles on the collateralized loan obligations or leverage loans. So Dan, can you take us through the difference between, you know, a senior loan, uh, leverage loan or CLOs, just kind of talk through that space a little bit? Sure. So the um, the short answer is that senior loans and leverage loans are essentially the same thing. It's two names for the for the same topic. Um, and you'll also hear me refer to senior secured loans. Um, it, 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 they're generally all um, um, the same asset class. Um, CLOs are a little bit different. Um, Blackstone's the largest issuer of CLOs. So what that means is that you know we'll manage portfolios of loans and the equity and the debt. So those, those portfolios will be leveraged. Um, the leverage is usually 10 to one, or you'll have a 10% equity component to it. Um, and then the rest of the capital structure or the rest of the, the, the portfolio will be tranched out. Um, about 75% will be triple A's and it'll get a rating by Moody's and S&P. Um, and it'll usually go down to the double B level. And then that debt is then sold off to, to different investors. Um, so, so loans are actually the underlying loan to um, a company, uh, but a CLO is a collateralized loan obligation fund. All that really means is it's a portfolio of senior secured loans. It might be 250 or 300 different loans. Um, and, and that is um, a, a, a leverage structure. So you mentioned earlier that these are collateralized loans, so uh, plant property equipment, things like that. So you know, I think about uh, somebody owns a, a building and they go into default or, or go into bankruptcy, and but the people in bankruptcy get the asset; they can sell it off, right? Uh, but that includes intellectual properties and patents as well, right? That's correct. So some of the brand names or some examples of companies I mentioned, um, 
earlier, like Dell Computer or Bosch and Loam or NASCAR, Formula One, American Airlines, United Airlines, Delta, Michael Stores, HCA, iHeart. I mean, those are those are very valuable brand names. Um, and, and, and usually in a in a bankruptcy, um, the loans will continue trading in the secondary market um, right up to bankruptcy, but they'll also continue trading through bankruptcy. So just because a company files for bankruptcy doesn't mean that the loans stop trading in the secondary market. So if that if that happens, then you know at any point in time, if if an investor doesn't want to own uh, a loan that's in bankruptcy or, or a loan to a company in bankruptcy, they can easily sell it in the secondary market. Thinking about the bankruptcy process, and so and, and I'll I'll make a, a you know a silly reference, right? But but the way when I first started learning about loans and about the the debt markets is look, uh, I. I've got a, a loan uh, on a company that sells fishing rods. And so, okay, so they go into bankruptcy. Uh, I own a bunch of fishing rods and I got to go sell them. And hopefully I get, you know, I'm probably not going to get full value for those because I got a bunch of rods and everyone knows I got to sell them, right? But can you just kind of explain, you know, the process from maybe the senior loan perspective? You know, company goes into bankruptcy. What happens Am I am I making a is my silly little example uh, spot on or is it way off? No, look, I think that um, I think you're absolutely right, and it, and it really depends on how big of a loan we're talking about, right? So, so if we're talking a loan, and and most of the loans, and we're talking about the broadly syndicated loan market that that we trade in, those generally have a tranche size of a, you know, a hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollar minimum. And and many of the loans in our in our market are you know two billion dollar tranches or four billion dollar tranches. So like these are very large liquid loans. Um, in that scenario, you know you probably won't end up with a bunch of fishing rods that you need to sell. Um, like I said, you're going to be able to to trade that debt in a secondary market with another investor, uh, probably a distressed investor. There will be a bank or a dealer um, making a market. Uh, both to buy and to sell, and you know you'll you know you'll negotiate your price in the secondary market on a on a regular way basis. If it is a smaller loan, um, you, you might certainly end up with a bunch of fishing rods or or whatever other collateral that um, the company um, posted as collateral that, that that you lend money to. It's just bigger companies. No, that that makes sense, and. And I suppose if it's uh, well, let me ask you this too. I mean, the, the the types of companies that use maybe a senior loan versus a bond is is it timing? Like a company only needs the money for a certain amount of time, or is it just it's cheaper to go to the senior loan rate? I mean, maybe talk through the types of companies um, or, or why they would use those versus some other instrument. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously bonds is the close cousin here, but uh, maybe just explain that relationship. Sure. So maybe maybe the the easiest way to think about it is that the the main borrowers uh, of senior secured loans and high yield bonds are are, are non investment grade companies. So that means they're rated um, below triple B. If they're rated above triple B, they can easily uh, go tap the investment grade bond market, or they can get commercial paper, or they can get other lines of credit, which are um, far cheaper um, than than our market. Um, in our market, um, generally loans uh, come about when 
um, there's M&A activity. Uh, one company wants to buy another company, or maybe one company um, uh, wants to do a dividend to its investors, or maybe a company has to refinance its existing debt, or or maybe there's a private equity sponsor involved and they want to buy a company. So they buy a company and they'll issue both um, loans and high yield bonds. Um, um, an interesting caveat is that uh, the, the uh, investment grade bonds I mentioned before are unsecured. Um, the high yield bonds are unsecured. So only the senior secured loans have that security, that valuable collateral package. Uh, and, and, and many of the same companies um, like Adele, Bosch and Loam, um, American Airlines or Michael Storrs or, 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 or some of these companies, they'll both They'll issue both bone, uh, bonds and loans um, uh, because, because they're raising a lot of debt. Um, and, and what they'll find is that the loan is cheaper than uh, the high-yield bonds, uh, but the loans, they have to post collateral. Uh, and they generally have more covenants or lender protections um, than the unsecured high-yield bonds. Um, it, it, so, so that's the main difference. Loans are cheaper. Uh, from the borrower's perspective than high yield. High yield also has that call protection I mentioned before. So, so and, and high yield will have a non-call period of, you know, call it three years, depending on the tenor. And so that means that the company cannot repay that bond. Um, and, and so, um, you know, sometimes it's to the company's benefit um, to, to repay its debt or reduce its debt um, at, a, at a low or no cost. Um, if it's generating a lot of free cash flow. And so in that case, they would choose the the senior secured loan. You mentioned covenants, and I, I think it's an interesting topic to to delve into. Normally we think, you know, if I was going to loan a, a friend of mine money, I would say, you know, what's the likelihood that this person would call me back? There'd be a term, we'd, we'd agree to an interest rate. But a covenant uh, in some ways says, hey, you know, Dan, I'm going to loan you money, but you can't do X, Y, and Z. So broadly, I mean, covenants, what type of limits do they put? I mean, how much control do investors have on, on a company taking money from them uh, in, in the way they run their business? Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit. I think that's a great point. Um, senior secured loans have much, much more extensive covenant packages than unsecured high yield bonds. Um, they will have uh, things that limit um, or, or, or incurrence tests. And, and generally covenants are something that, that, that you read about a lot in the uh, financial newspapers over the last few years. But there'll be limitations on minimum amounts of cash flow or EBITDA a company um, can produce. Um, and if a company's cash flow um, starts to decline or its its performance starts to deteriorate, um, the lenders can get the company back to the table and, and renegotiate the terms of that loan. So if they see the company is going through a, a down cycle and they and they need a little bit more flexibility, or let's say they need some some liquidity, they can they can negotiate to get a higher coupon or a higher rate, or maybe maybe they'll negotiate for some more amortization. And amortization is a common theme in in senior secured loans um, as opposed to high yield bonds. Um, and, and so like those, those covenants, and there's also restrictions on minimum amounts of debt that they can incur, um, minimum amounts of dividends that the company can make, minimum amounts of um, acquisitions that they might be 
that I'm thinking about making. And the, the whole concept behind it is that your loan to that company will never be worse off uh, over the tenor of your loan. It's it's a lot like the the covenants or the packages associated with a mortgage on a house. You have limits on 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 what you can do, on how much debt you can incur, on 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 certain things that you can do with your home. Well, it's it's the same way with these. Um, these financial covenants in uh, the loan documentation. Dan, are there, you know, in bonds, uh, I think Tesla is an example I can think of, and I'm, I'm recalling this in my head as, as we're speaking, but there were uh, some convertible bonds where they converted into equity shares, right? Um, is that something that's sometimes attached on, on the senior loan side as well? Um, it's possible. It's not common at all. Um, not likely. Okay. Not the case. I mean, like there, there was one high profile example of that last year, but not, not, um, it's, it's really unusual in, in a performing credit. Got it. So we think about, you mentioned one of the advantages for the end company could be a lower cost of, uh, capital, low, lower interest rate they have to pay. Uh, you did mention it's floating for a lot of years, you know, LIBOR was sort of the standard, right? And LIBOR, was, uh, you know, basically, you know, there were some challenges with that. I'll, I'll leave, how's that, Dan? I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> there, were, there was a Google LIBOR, uh, and, and you'll find all sorts of things. But now we're talking about SOFR, the uh, Secured Overnight Funding Rate. Um, and then there's also, I think Bloomberg is coming up with an index. So the loans, um, what are they generally based upon now? And, and, you know, my follow-up is probably going to be, you know, what do we think of SOFR versus something else? And and so uh, it's still primarily based on LIBOR. Is it transitioning more? Um, how does that work, Dan? Well, the, the nuance to that is that, yeah, it's, today is LIBOR, but many because LIBOR is so low at, I don't know, 15 or, or 20 basis points, most loans are based on a LIBOR floor. And the LIBOR floor is 75 to 100 basis points. Um and so typically you have this 75 or 100 basis point floor, and then you have a credit spread on top of that. And to the extent that LIBOR increases above this floor, well, then LIBOR starts to matter. Um, not all loans, higher quality double B loans probably don't have floors, um, but single B loans and you know maybe some some lower loans will have will have LIBOR floors. And that's just a function of the low LIBOR environment we're in um, post-March of 2020. Um, but, but going forward, you're right. There is a move to move to, uh, the base rate for various reasons to something different than LIBOR. And, and that's really just a function of the, the methodology that's LIBOR that's used to create what that standardized LIBOR rate is. Yeah. I think I had, uh, when I think about the floor, a good, maybe this is a good example. I had a, uh, a loan that was based, uh, it reset every couple of years. And it was basically the, the yield on the five-year, continuous five-year maturity, uh, you know, treasury bond. But the floor was 200 basis points. Uh, so it was always like 200 basis points plus whatever the rate is. But there was a rate it couldn't go under. I think it was 200 basis points or something like that. So like my loan came up for... Uh, for repricing, it, I didn't get a 50 basis point, you know, 0.5% loan, half a percent loan. It was like two and a half. Uh, so I, it's kind of similar, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And and really, you only think about loans that have LIBOR floors or the LIBOR floor concept in periods where LIBOR dips below 1%. Um, and, and all that really means is that if, you, you know, when a loan is around 1% or below 1%, then it becomes hard for new issuers to access the credit markets if they don't put a LIBOR floor in there. And and so the 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 repayment rate for the loan market, you know, it might be thirty percent of the entire one point three trillion dollar market a year. I mentioned that most loans have a, a three year repayment period, so you're constantly getting repayments as these companies refinance or or take dividends or 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 go through their normal activities you're constantly participating in the primary market. And so you're constantly trading these loans through your portfolios. And, and so I'll, I'll give you an example. So today there's, there's been about um, $175 billion of issuance of um, net new issuance of senior secured loans this year. Um, JP Morgan just put out a report that said they thought that number was going to go to 265 by the end of the year. So that means it's 90 more to go. And I think it's going to be above that. And, and so the, the the supply of the net new loans coming to market is very strong. So there's a lot of choices out there, and, and that's good for the for the lender, right? We have a lot of choices of different types of loans that we can lend to, different structures, different yields. So it's all um, it's in our favor. It's a really robust, balanced market at the moment. But back to the SOFR LIBOR, it, it's not really clear what is going to work in our market. Many of the, the, the credit agreements that are coming to market now have contingency plans. So, you know, if we switch to SOFR, then, you know, it will be adopted. If it's Bisbee, uh, that will be adopted. There's, you know, there is drawbacks uh, to, to the SOFR um, and, and some solutions to it. But, um, but, but, but right now, the, the, the component or the, you know, the main concern is the, you know, the, 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 the lack of a term uh, premium or, or how might that base rate change uh, during periods of volatility. Um, but, but because LIBOR is so low at 20 basis points compared to, to SOFR, they're very close. You know, there's, there's no real impact on price if we switch to it or very minimal impact on price if we switch to um, just to so for today, it's just, I mean, we have, um, I believe we have two years to, to figure it out. So sometime in the next few years, uh, we'll, we'll have more clarity on, on what the ultimate base rate will be. We'll know when we know, in other words, uh, for, for lack of a better way of saying it, but yeah. And it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, these senior loans too, I, when I think about the interest rate that's most applicable to them. It's at the very, very short end of the curve for sure. And, and we've seen, you know, we've certainly seen very low rates for, um, I mean, God, 2008, right? I mean, that's when uh, uh, essentially we've been below even even the inflation rate for a long time. You know, Dan, what what are the impacts, though, and of interest rate changes? To, I mean, the easy one to say, okay, well, if interest rates go up, companies cost of capital goes up, their, their interest charge, uh, you know, the amount they're paying on loans. But I mean, it, just broadly, and maybe if, if you have, uh, you know, a little more narrow view on how interest rate changes affect these companies, not only that, but just the, the use of senior loans. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And, you know, that, that also 
you know, you, you've highlighted on what happens when rates increase and, 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 and the impact. And I, I think it's important to, to highlight that loans typically um, have a base rate of LIBOR, but the LIBOR component um, that's most commonly used today is one-month LIBOR. And a company can choose between one-month LIBOR or three-month LIBOR. Uh, and it depends on their forward view of, of, of rates. But, but for one-month LIBOR, um, you know, there's no duration to that loan because they are resetting their base rate uh, every 30 days. Uh, and in the current environment, even though the treasuries have backed up, I don't know, 1.5% today, and people think it's going to go to, to 2%, um, the short end hasn't moved at all. And so it, it really depends on your view of the rate environment in the out years. So, so what I would say is that you could have Fed rate increases over the next few years that are projected to happen according to dot plots, but but a company's interest expense might not increase at all because if if a lot of it is floating rate, then it's keying off one month LIBOR, which you know, it's very low now, probably doesn't increase anytime soon for a while. And so as a result, um, you know, they won't have any change at all. Uh, and, and so it will continue to be a very uh, issuer-friendly environment uh, relative to interest costs. I also think about, you know, a company when they go to the markets, and there's been a few high-profile ones, uh, you know, like GameStop and AMC, that their price has gone up, they've issued shares. I use those as an example because they've been in the news. Um, kind of irrelevant to our conversation, though. But, I mean, companies can issue shares. We know the downside there is it dilutes the existing shareholders, right? At least that's Finance 101. And so, I mean, it seems like part of the reason why, and this is me saying this, right? But I'm, I'm asking the question. It's the cost of capital has been so low with interest rates being so low. Like these companies, it's just uh, to raise capital. Um, I'm, I'm sort of smiling and, and sarcastically saying, why wouldn't they go to the the loan market as opposed to issuing shares? I mean, how much of a function are you seeing with that at all? Um, you know, or is it just look? It's the answer's right in front of you. It's just finance 101, right? You know, these companies they're not investment grade. Um, and, That's right. You've really, said that. Yeah. You've and, said and so that, yeah. It, there's risk to these companies. Like it, there is, there is true, um, there is true fundamental credit analysis that, that that goes into our investment decisions. And we have investment committees that meet twice a day. Uh, every credit that we own must be approved unanimously in our investment committee, and we do a lot of uh, due diligence uh, and and. Uh, detailed analysis on on every single credit. So, and in fact, our our approval rate might only be fifty percent as we as we think about credits in our investment. So we're we're turning down half of everything that comes to market. Uh, we're seeing just about everything. And so we're we're pretty picky. Um, and and really in our market, it's really a function of how do we minimize principal loss? How do we not make mistakes? Because loans have an asymmetric return profile. They, they only, um, you know, if you do all of your analysis and, and you, you're right, well, you're just going to get par back, right? But if you're wrong, you know, you could lose 30 or 40% of your principal. And so our goal is to um, minimize or mitigate downside risk. 
Um, and, and so not just anybody can, can issue loans in our market. Um, it's got to be a strong credit. They have to generally have strong free cash flow. Um, they might be a market leader or a top three uh, in their market category or in their, in their segment. Um, they have to have real barriers to entry. They have to have um, strong management teams. Um, those are just some of the examples that we look at. And so that, that might be lending one-on-one, but, but it is, um, you know, it's not just quite as easy as anybody can show up to the market to, to, to sell that. Uh, and it is a function of, you know, um, leverage, loan to value, and, and also where, you know, where are their comps trading and, and, and what does that look like? You bring up an important point, which is the risk, right? And that's always front and center, should be front and center for not only institutional investors, but individual investors. Um, can, can you talk about sort of, um, you know, the risk here is a company defaults, right? And you wind up with the fishing rods. I say that, you know, I'm smiling as I say that, but, you know, do, do you have any, um, you know, historically, what, what are sort of default rates in the space or... Um, are there other risks besides default? I mean, that seems to me the, uh, the most prescient one. Um, we just talk about defaults in, in general. Sure. Uh, historically long-term defaults for, for loans, um, is around 3% high yield bonds. I think now is closer to, to three and a half or 4% now, um, going back over the long term and, and recoveries in the event of a default, um, Typically, are are sixty to seventy cents on the dollar for loans um, because they're secured for unsecured high yield bonds. They've been through to thirty to forty percent um, last year. For example, twenty twenty, um, the default rate for loans was four and a half percent, so it peaked. Um, high yield bonds uh, peaked at about six and a half percent. Going into this year, um, J.P. Morgan, for example, and I'll, I'll use them as um, uh, their strategies just published a, a, an updated mid-year outlook, um, but they had the default rate at the start of this year at two and a half percent for both loans and bonds. Um, they recently took that down to sixty-five basis points for loans and one and a half percent for bonds. And, and the reason is is because um, you know there's um, companies are doing really well. Companies have rebounded. Um, there's been very strong performance uh, from uh, companies across um, the sector in general. Uh, I, I tell you that it's driven by strong GDP growth, um, strong anticipated GDP growth uh, over the next few quarters. Um, we're seeing unprecedented fiscal stimulus as a percentage of GDP. Um, currently, it's around 37% of GDP. So for the U.S., we haven't seen that since World War II. Um, that doesn't include incremental stimulus that, that, that may come from the president's uh, infrastructure proposal, which um, m- might result in incremental spending. So, so you have um, the, the GDP, the, the fiscal stimulus, you have you, you know, the reopening from the, the, the rollout of the vaccines um, and, and the COVID cases are going down in the U.S. And so all of that taken together is is very, very strong growth. And, and the, way that, the way that I think about it personally is that the default cycle has effectively been reset similar to, to where it was in 2010. Um, so if you remember after the financial crisis, we went through a period where the worst companies defaulted, those companies that didn't have liquidity or couldn't refinance their debt. And then after that, you had a period of very low defaults where companies uh, had very strong growth. 
and and it was a very good time uh, to to invest in the the, um, the unsecured credit markets. Um, today, uh, it's very similar to that. We we do not see um, that many defaults uh, on the horizon. Um, that's for sure. Uh, and and what the other component of that is is we're seeing very strong upgrade to downgrade ratios. So the current upgrade to downgrade ratio is it is at a record uh, 1.9 to one. Um, we've never seen that strong of an upgrade cycle. And, and so we think that probably continues. And I think that part of the reason for that is that the rating agencies were aggressive in downgrading um, assets ahead of uh, or going into uh, COVID last April, uh, May period. Um, and now they're they're sort of waiting to upgrade those companies. Many of those companies, their leverage increased because their EBITDA declined. But as the anniversary there, their, their cash flow, they, they'll have better leverage ratios and they're delevering. And once the rating agencies receive financials, they'll be able to uh, upgrade the company. So like all of those things taken together, it's a very good environment for the senior secured low market. What you were saying there uh, is interesting. And, and somebody had passed me uh, uh, something from Bloomberg recently, and it was the in high-yield zombie net debt has dropped to its lowest level since 2009, which surprised me. And of course, zombies, you know, zombie companies, right? Uh, and Marcel talked about this, uh, I think I said it's about a month ago. I'll post a link to that. But where you're literally your income isn't sufficient enough to, to pay the interest on your, uh, on your high yield debt. But um, I was surprised by that to see that, you know, zombies have come down. And, and what you were just saying seems to, uh, seems to support that. The example you gave before about the capital markets being wide open, um, it, it resonates to that point. If a company right now needs uh, runway, it, it, it has access to capital. Maybe it's debt, maybe it's equity, but um, it's it's available. And, and, it, and it is. Another statistic along those lines is, and I saw it was this week, the, uh, the triple C index of the high yield market is at its lowest yield ever. Uh, it's under eight and a quarter percent. And so it's never been down there before. Uh, and so like the distressed category uh, is, is very, very low uh, at the moment. Could you, as an aside, by the way, I, I don't know, you know, I've, I've been doing this, I guess, for 27 years now or something like that. And, and the idea that high yield, uh, you know, on average, and I'm kind of making a blanket statement, is getting close to, you know, to a negative real yield. I mean, it seems, seems it's interesting. It, let's just put it that way. Um, you know, of course, inflation could come back down. But actually, I, I did want to ask another question about just, just the loan market in general. One of the, the things that we always look at, right, is, is liquidity. And when we think about liquidity, it's how easy can something be traded or how much of a haircut do you need to take in a liquid market? So just on liquidity in general, right? So how liquid is the market? What happens to, to these types of loans during times of distress? Just kind of talk about that. Sure. Um, I, I think that the, the, the loan market is just as liquid, if not more liquid in most times than, than the high-yield bond market, um, for reference. Uh, it, it's a function of the, the size of the tranche sizes. So the, the larger the loan size, the more liquid it is, the, the more... Uh, investors that will own the loan um, that, that that might participate in the market. Um, 
I think that um, during periods of stress, uh, certainly we found in, in November of 18, in, in, in March of 2020, um, back in uh, when we were managing portfolios in 2007, um, we always found liquidity in the loan market, uh, it would just be at a lower price. Uh, and and if you wanted to compare that to high yield, well, if a you know if a loan dropped in price from par to ninety cents on the dollar, the high yield bond and that same capital structure from the same company might be lower in, at price to eighty cents on the dollar or eighty five. So high yield would be lower because it's it's junior in the capital structure. But but we found very good liquidity through those periods. Got it. Yeah, and the other thing I have I have a couple. So I'll hit you with some quick ones uh, too. Just thinking about you know someone who's who's looking at uh, doesn't matter what company but they're pulling up the financials so senior loans uh, you're going to see the effect of those that will be I, I imagine short term uh, you know debt less than a year correct on the on the balance sheet well actually it depends on the maturity um, but but most times m- most times loans loans are long term debt um, so they do have they, yeah they do have a maturity of um, seven years when they're issued. Um, so as a result, their long-term debt, um, they might have uh, some sort of amortization, uh, but but most institutional tranches, um, it's only a 1% uh, per year amortization. Um, so as a result, for the most part, it's, it's long-term debt in a company's capital structure. Okay. So explain, when you think about amortization, explain for my listeners, right? We think about a mortgage and you've got an amortization schedule where you know a lot of your loan is uh, interest in the beginning, less uh, you know paying off your equity, or a home equity loan, which is just interest for the amount you know the term. So you mentioned amortization. Can you kind of explain that how that how that works for senior loans? Sure, it's it's similar, but much more simpler than the than the amortization on, on a home mortgage. That's for sure. Um, generally, it's a, only about one percent of the principal amortizes per year, uh, and then and then it is a bullet where the majority is due at the end of the seven years if it's a seven year maturity, uh, and and that's for large liquid loans. That's that's normally what you see in the market today. Is it similar to where you know a lot of companies right? bonds come to maturity and they reissue new bonds to pay off the old bonds, right? They don't really want to retire the debt. Uh, is that similar to what happens in, in the senior loan market or, or is that not the case? It is similar. Um, the main difference is that generally these companies generate so much free cash flow that they don't have alternative uses of that cash. So what they will do is they'll just repay the loan to, to reduce their, their debt. Um, I'll give you an example. So when we, when we look at a typical company, when it comes to market, um, one of the metrics that we look at among others is um, the free cash flow as a percent of total debt. The total debt is going to include secured debt, unsecured, the loan to value might be 50%. Uh, and, and so we kind of want that free cash flow, which is EBITDA, less interest taxes, um, free cash, uh, working capital, um, and, and, and amortizations um, to, to be about 10% of total debt. So the company is throwing off 10% of its, of its outstanding debt each year and free cash flow that you know they're either going to 
you know, repay their debt or they're going to, maybe they do a dividend or maybe they go use that cash to go buy a competitor. Um, so, so those are their, those are their options. And if, and if, you know, they don't think that, you know, any of those options are interesting many times what they do is they just look to reduce their debt. What they might do is that in, in this environment, if they issued a loan in, in April or May of 2020, when rates were higher, maybe they weren't sure of their access to capital. Maybe now they want to repay that or maybe reprice it. Uh, so, you know, like on the mortgage of your house, if your rates are lower today than they were when you bought the house, well, then what you might do is refinance your mortgage at a lower rate. Well, companies do the same thing. Um, so they've been very active in, in, in refinancing their, their existing uh, capital structures. You mentioned uh, that one of the advantages is that they they have soft call protection, but companies are, are able to retire the, the senior loan debt a little bit easier than uh, you said, you know, that two or three year period. One of the things that comes to mind is, you know, there were a lot of industries when in the midst of the worst of COVID, right, the lockdowns, let's say, last year, I'm just thinking, you know, if I owned a, a cruise line and I had to go to the equity, you know, the, the debt markets, they'd, they'd say, you know, okay, you know, but here's your rate. So, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, it's it's almost like a mortgage. and mortgage rates drop, there are opportunities for companies to improve upon their the rate that they're paying. Right? It's very similar. And and a lot of the companies that you mentioned, some of those companies that were um, most impacted by COVID and, and COVID restrictions, like airlines and theaters and leisure and, and 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 cruise companies. You know, many of them never really had that much secure debt. And, and so they looked around and they said, we have to raise debt. So we've got collateral. And so they tapped our market. Uh, and, and many of them also issued secured high yield bonds, uh, which is unusual too. But we saw record issuance of secured bonds last year. Um, and, and the reason is, is if, if you put collateral, well, you know, you're going to be able to entice more people to, um, to lend money to you. Right. So the, the cruise line has all these ships, these big, huge ships, and they say, you know, we'll put those up. And if we can't pay you, you're the proud owner of a, of a ship. Right. So uh, kind of how it works. I want to ask you too, Dan, about uh, you mentioned earlier, you touched on, you know, there is M&A in spaces. So it, are there times, you know, what happens maybe you own a loan on a company that winds up being acquired or winds up doing a merger or some sort of M&A? kind of what happens to those and are, are there any interesting advantages or disadvantages that, uh, that a senior loan, you know, investor has in those instances? Well, that's sort of like the life of the uh, loan. Um, so, uh, you have a loan and it's issued by a private equity company who buys a company. Um, you do a lot of research, you buy the loan, you own it, it pays you interest, everything works out, you, you monitor it. You, you can trade it at any point in time. You might buy more. You might um, sell some. If you think that you know it's going to continue to perform very well based on the next quarter's earnings, maybe it trades up. You, maybe you buy a little bit more. If it trades off on you know market weakness like the COVID crisis and trades down to the, the low to mid-90s, you might buy more um, and then benefit when it trades back up. So, and, and at some point, I mentioned that there's a maturity of seven years on these loans. Like, what happens is that they're going to get repaid. The credit agreement 
has something called a change of control generally. And what that means is that if a company that a private equity sponsor bought, maybe they sell it to, to somebody else, maybe they sell it to a corporate, maybe they do an IPO, that loan is repaid at par. Um, I mentioned that loans are typically callable at par or repayable at par. So as a result, the loan market typically doesn't trade up above par that much. Um, maybe 101 um, because there's limited call protection because you don't want to pay 102 for a loan um, that only pays 6% interest um, only to find out a few months later you got repaid at par because you just lost 2%. Um, and, and so so all, all that means is that you, you will have constant repayment. Um, when, when a loan is, is, is repaid at par, um, you get your money back uh, as an investor, and you go buy something else in the in the primary or the secondary market. Dan, this has been really good. It's uh, I, I feel like anyone listening to this gets gets a really good education on the senior loan market. And I think it's it's an area of the market that is not you know focused on as much. Like we don't watch CNBC or Bloomberg TV or Fox business, you don't have a lot of people talking about, you know, showing examples of senior loans and things like that. So I, I think this has been great. And, uh, I will put a link to, uh, the, uh, you know, one of the, the, the products that, uh, that you're involved with in the show notes. So if anybody wants to, to check that out, uh, and I'll also put some links to, uh, to some prior episodes as well. Um, oh, by the way, I, I had this written down. Somebody said, hey, ask him a really dumb question. So I'm going to ask it. And that's uh, the, the interest that's paid on uh, the company's pay on their senior loans. That just gets lumped in on, on the income statement or the cash flow statement, right? With everything, all the other interest they're, they're paying or does it? Absolutely. Yes. So that one it does. Perfect. I almost forgot to ask you that. You know, that's the thing. I, I'm more than willing to ask questions that I, I uh, are are easy questions or dumb questions because I think people in the audience have it and uh, you know I'd be doing them a disservice by not not asking it. So Dan, thanks again for coming on. You've got great experience in the space. Uh, again, I'll link to, uh, uh, to your stuff below and uh, can't thank you enough, Dan. Hopefully at some point we can, we can have you back on. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. 